and we're recording. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, you guys, so what we're going to do, first of all, let's just get right into this. Oh, I need my phone to do this. Oh, God, this is so much work. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for an amazing evening. Thank you for getting us where we are safely. Get us to all of our destinations this morning safely. Look over the passage, clearing our path, giving us a righteous path for this morning, for this day, for the month of November, giving us clarity, giving us blessings to be bestowed upon all those to cross our path allow us to be a blessing allow us to be an instrument to bring more to you more to your voice more to your calling allow us to walk into our purpose into everything we do with intention with great courage with great strength with no fatigue lifting up everyone around us bringing a spirit of discernment in everything we do of complete clarity so that we can have the most extraordinary, amazing life that you have blessed us to have. Free of drama, free of pain, free of debt, just freedom. I thank you for you allowing me to be an instrument for people to hear my voice, to be able to touch other people's souls and life so they may make a difference and ripple out like an ocean that goes far beyond where we actually sit on the shore, but reaches people in places that nobody else can reach but you, moving everything from air, water, land, sea. We give thanks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let's get this party started. Let's get this party started. Let's get it going. Let's see here, family. So I am going to do, since, since you know, while I'm away, I have another system. I'm going to work it out where it works to my favor. But until I get that system in place, ouch, this morning or this week, I'm just going to do one chapter, even though they're small and fast and furious. Like you guys know, I did one through four. So I really should have carried this through four days. So, you know, because we could break that down on another level. But we said that we go, I said, I said we're going to do it in a compilation because there's so many proverbs, right? And we still let God just guide this. But today I'm just going to do one Proverbs. I'm just going to do Proverbs 5, just so we're clear. And um, it goes like this. And it's really quite short, like all of them, you know. Um, but, you know, it's like short people. They're powerful. Okay, okay, I'm not talking about you. Okay, listen, listen, Linda, listen. In chapter <laughs> Psalms 5, it rolls like this. It's real simple. It's about leading me into your righteousness to the choir master for the flute, a psalm of David. This is a psalm of David. It says, give ear to my words, O Lord. Give ear to my words, meaning listen. Listen, Linda, O Lord. He's not saying it to God. I'm just saying it's part of a prayer. It's part of a song. It's part of a psalm. So, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Was he on this call before we started or something else? These words come out like this. Somebody was groaning and that's crazy. Anyway, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. 
my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before eyes, your eyes, your eyes. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. Uh, he didn't say I can get rid of or I do away with. He said I destroy those who speak lies. Man. The Lord abhors bloodthirsty and deceitful men. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple in fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in the mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exult in you. In for you, bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover them, cover him with favor as with the shield. Yeah, that would be Psalms 5. Ah, let's dissect it for each other. Let's go to another level here. Actually, if I... Stick with me here. Pull up my transferred notes. Break this down the way it's supposed to be broken. Go something like this. What uh, Psalms 5 is actually breaking down is a morning prayer. The psalm is titled to the chief musician with flutes, Psalm of David. See, the title of the psalm indicates that it was directed towards the chief musician, whom some suppose to be the Lord God himself, and others supposed to be the leader of the choir or that of musicians in David's time, such as Heman, the singer of Asaph. If you actually make reference to 1 Chronicles 6.33 and 25.6, the title also give, tells us that the song was deliberately written to be accompanied with flutes, 
It shows David coming to the Lord in the morning and receiving the strength and joy he needed to make it through the day against many adversities. Very much why we started Prayers and Proverbs, which was obviously quite powerful for all of us. And I am going to actually have a system to actually review Proverbs starting this week, just so that people are clear. I'm thinking Wednesday, since everywhere in the world, it's Prayer Wednesday, it is Bible Study Wednesday, and that just seems to be a good time in the middle of the week to actually view Proverbs, to make sure we stay in it. And I'll have a system to back that up between tomorrow and Tuesday as I finish completing what I'm doing here in Lake Tahoe, just so people are clear and you have it on your notes mentally. Um, I will have something that systematically agrees with complementing what we're doing here in Psalms by staying in Proverbs as of Tuesday, that we will probably do it on Wednesday and I will have a system as to how it will be applied. But staying here in Psalms 5, approaching God in the morning, which is what we're doing, which is smart, right? David approaches God, give ear to my words. Give ear. So stick with me here. Um, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the, to the voice of my cry. As he starts here, give ear. Consider, give heed. David longs for an audience with God. And that's one of the words, like we talked about, I did in training for those of you that are here, but those, there may be some people that aren't. But it's utilizing words that create so much more respect when learning a language. This actually coincides with those that are with me in the training this weekend, though there are many that are not on the call. Just understand, in being able to actually speak to the spirit of another human being, you have to be aligned with a higher power. Ours happens to be Christ, but in that conversation, it means truly having an amazing tongue of language. And in that tongue of language should come certain words such as honor, integrity. One of the greater words here is audience. Back in the day when the uh, when, when, when there was a townsman that wanted to get, you know, or, or governor, they were waiting for the audience of of the kingship or of the kingdom. Here it starts with the audience of God. And when you want the audience of somebody, then you come with humility, you come blessing, you come bearing gifts. Why? Because we know that then in turn, you're paid back sevenfold when we give gifts to God. And that they knew that they would get favor much more and that the God or the king was bound to give back 10 times or seven times, I'm sorry, more land if the person came bearing gifts. When you go to an authority, what I've talked about as far as a collision of success, I come bearing gifts to be able to like what I did with Les Brown and bringing food and other things. So it really goes into understanding um, David longed for an audience with God. Using the Hebrew method of parallelism, he repeats the same idea three times. Lord, please listen to me. For to you, to, uh, for, for to you I will pray. If you look at the scripture there. David prayed to God. This may sound elementary, right? But it is an essential aspect of prayer. Often we come to prayer and so full of our requests and our feelings that we never consciously focus in on God and a sense of his presence. David was a man of great prayer because his, and it's, it's ironic that we just had this conversation 48 hours ago, and I've gotten so many rave reviews on the five prayers I gave you guys to study or have as a reference to know how to pray and how to have your answers you know, to your prayers to make sure that God has an ear, that we can have an audience for 
Jesus Christ to listen to us, how we can get to the Holy Spirit quicker to pass on our messages. David was a great man of prayer because his prayer was time and focused on God. See, very much of our so-called prayer, both public and private, is not until it's not it's not really unto God. In order that a prayer should be really unto God, do you see why I only want to focus on chapter five today? Because it's such a takeaway and a continual piece to prayer in itself. At first, I thought when I started and I did this and I reviewed it yesterday, and then I went back and I was like, okay, so. This is just going to be right into we get up in the morning. Let's talk about why prayer is so important in the morning. But it really goes more into whether it's private or public, really a continual of how you are praying with God, to God, and giving him his due. He's looking for a real conversation with us. See, there's much, it's, it's got to be definite. We talk about that definite in purpose, a conscious approach to God when we pray. We must have a definite and vivid, vivid, I mean like clear realization that God is bending over us and listening as we pray. See, my voice you shall hear in the morning. David made it a point to pray in the morning. He did this because he wanted to honor God and at the beginning of his day and set the tone for an entire day dedicated unto God. It was unto the entire day that he wanted to commit all of his works. It wasn't at the end of the day that he wanted to say thank you. He wanted to start his day to have something to say thank you for. So when you start looking at it from that perspective, then you start to understand in the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. David gives us what to do before and after prayers. In the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look up. David gives us what to do before and after prayer. I want to make sure this is driven home like a stake in your heart. Before we pray, we should direct our prayers. After we pray, we should look up with expectancy to heaven, really believing that God will answer. The idea behind direct is not to aim, but to order, to arrange. It is the word that is used for the laying in the order of the wood and pieces of the victim upon the altar. And it is used also for the putting of the shrewbread upon the table. It means just this. I will arrange my prayer before thee. I will lay it out upon the altar in the morning, just as the priest lays out the morning sacrifice. It is to manifest the, uh, a completely be a manifestation as it will not be a haphazard prayer. There's too much random praying going on with people out there because they're just sitting up there throwing it, like I said, toilet paper against the ceiling, hoping God's going to get something. We do not return again and again in the same petition, pressing it home with humility and reverence and arguing the case as Abraham did for this cities of the plain. See, you got to get a contrast between the wicked man and the godly man, verses four through eight. Let me say that again. A contrast between the wicked man and the godly man. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. 
in fear of you. I will worship towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. David meditates on the righteous character of God. Our actions matter before a God who hates all workers of iniquity. As David drew closer to God, he became more aware of God's holiness and man's sinfulness. It's amazing how that works. It seems like this is working in my life. How about your life? Is it working like that for you? Because it's damn sure working like that for me. This is a good way to measure how well you are praying and whether you are praying right. If you're doing it in a way that draws you closer to God or merely mouthing words. If you're drawing closer to God, you will become increasingly sensitive to sin, which is inevitable since the God you are approaching is a holy God. I come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. This is David's confidence. It isn't that he is righteous and all others are sinners. His ground of confidence is the mercy of God. In fear of you, I will worship. David's worship isn't based on his feelings, but on his reverence for his righteous, merciful God. Make your way straight before my face. This reflects David's constant reliance on God. He needs God to lead him and to make the way straight. How about you? I need him to clear my path. How many times do you hear me in my prayer? God, clear our path, clear our path, move all obstacles, move move all, 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 anything that I can't move, please move. And whatever I can move, allow me to get off my knees and start moving it. See, David's contrast between the wicked and the godly is humble. We've been talking about that word humility. It's humble. And he knows it is God's power and works in, that works in him that can keep him from the way of the wicked. See, the description and the destiny it comes down into nine and 10. Nine and 10 is about the description and the destiny our destination. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. The description and destiny of the wicked. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. They pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. There is no faithfulness in their mouth. Yes, their mouth. David focuses on what the wicked say as evidence of their wickedness. David knew that Jesus said later in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of their heart, the mouth speaks. Our righteousness, our wickedness will sooner or later show up in our speech. David felt the sting of wicked words and lies against him, yet this prayer shows something good brought out of the attacks from the enemy. There's always something good in that lemonade if you squeeze the lemon properly. See, thus a man's enemies, while they oblige him to pray more fervently and to watch more narrowly over his conduct, oftentimes becomes his best friend. Hmm. They flatter with their tongue. Always beware of people who flatter you. Always beware of people who flatter you. And especially when they tell you that they do not flatter you. I mean, they tell you that they, especially when they tell you that they do not flatter you and that they know you cannot endure flattery. For you are then being most falsely, falsely, false. I've never seen that word. That's interesting. Pretty versed in the English dictionary. Falsely. I was reading a quote. It says, 
always beware of people who flatter you and especially when they tell you that they do not flatter you and that they know you cannot endure flattery for you are the being most fulsomely flattered. So be on your guard against the tongue of the flatterer. I never liked Spurgeon. I don't like the way he breaks it. Anyway, David prays that the wicked will come to their deserved end. That's what he's praying for, that they come to a demise. As rebels against God, they deserve the guilty sentence. As we move into 11, 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12, the description and destiny of the righteous. And, uh, you know, and I, I read it because I like to recap it in my own head. But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Yes, of course. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who, lo who love you, you love your name, be joyful in you. For you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him with a shield. Let us understand the righteous aren't made righteous by their words. Let's be clear about that. The righteousness are those who trust God, trust the Lord, trust and love his name. That's why you say a lot, Jesus. I mean, oh my God, you know, Jehovah. I mean, Prince of Peace. But their righteousness is evidence in their words. They rejoice, they shout for joy, and they are joyful in the Lord. When we understand this, right? And here's another quote. No, I'm not even going to use this quote. I don't even like him no more. <laughs> let me break it down. Let's move on. But let all those rejoice, all those rejoice who put their trust in you. This is a permit, a precept, a prayer, a promise. You have permission for joy. You have here a ticket to the banquets of joy. You may be as happy as ever as you as, as, as you can you can reach the highest heights of joy here. You have divine permission to shout my name, shout for joy. You have a precept, a command for joy. Come ye mournful ones, be glad. Yet discontented grumblers, come out of that dog hole. Enter the palace of the kingdom. Quit your dung hills. Ascend to your throne. You should pray for joy. We should pray for joy, both in ourselves and in others, especially if we're serving the Lord. If we lose your joy, our joy, in our religion, we will be a poor worker. We cannot bear strong testimony. We cannot bear stern trial. We cannot lead a powerful life. In proportion as we maintain our life, we will be strong in the Lord and for the Lord. See, you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him. This is the greatest blessing of all, the favor of God. The favor of God, knowing that God looks on us with favor and pleasure is the greatest knowledge in the world. This is our standing grace. See, a shield, as we've talked about in previous chapters, especially in Proverbs, does not protect any one area of the body. It is a large and mobile, it is just large and mobile enough to cover any and every part of the body. It's an armor over armor. This is how God will fully give us favor, is that he has an armor on top of our armor. We bears armor, he bears witness to make sure that we are protected. When Martin Luther was on his way to face the cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church to answer for what they said were his heretical teachings, one of the cardinal servants taunted him, saying, where will you find shelter in your patron? 
the elector of the Saxony should desert you. Luther answered, under the shelter of heaven. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Psalm 5. And I approve this message. I'm going to stop the recording here. Bam. I'm going to start it back. Mm -hmm.